Good morning, Annabelle Crab. Good morning, Lee Sales. <laughs> just wanted to get in before you went, well, hello. <laughs> yeah, just, I love that there's nowhere, I mean, there's no part of my life where you won't seek subtly to undermine me in some way. <laughs> like, just any habit of mine. To your sort of... face I do, but outside of this little cocoon, if anyone says anything bad about you, I just... Punch him right in the nose. I <laughs> Thank say she's you. awesome. Thank you for deploying physical violence. Now, I need to have like a bit of a therapy session with you and okay. a bit of a de- debrief about right. something. Oh, good. I love these. I've been watching something so bad and <laughs> I don't know why I'm carrying on with it and it's it's sort of puzzling to me so I just need to work through it. Okay. This it is, is a safe place. What is it? It is a show on Netflix called oh. Firefly oh. Lane. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you seen anything about it? Okay, so this is funny because I I was going through Netflix a little while ago looking for something to watch and I increasingly find in the short period of time before I go to sleep, I'm going to bed really early at the moment, I'm just like my Netflix is just looking through Netflix and going, oh, nothing, I'm going to bed with my book. Um, but I did see that and I read the thing and I thought, well, that looks like complete shite, so I won't be watching that. <laughs> okay, so I blame Lisa Miller because um, she was watching it and she kept sending me selfies of herself crying and going, Salzy, this thing is so bad, but it's just it's pushing buttons. It just makes me think of me and you, blah, blah, blah. So oh I thought, God. all right, and I, was, I had a wow. quick look at it. It stars Catherine Hagel from Grey's anatomy sure okay fine and i looked at it it looks like a hallmark made for telly movie kind of <laughs> shtick and so i thought all right i'm gonna have a look at this and see and so yeah, like lisa it hasn't hasn't reduced me to tears but but lisa said it reminds me of you sales so you will watch to the bitter end <laughs> to see what your friend really thinks of you <laughs> um like I, I know where she's coming from now i've watched about seven episodes of it it's just utterly dreadful but what it's doing is the core sort of story is about um two women who've been friends since they were teenagers and okay. so it's sort of about female friendship okay. i actually put a post in the chat 10 group to go is anyone else watching this and can you help explain to me and lisa why it is so dreadful and yet you find yourself watching and then it sort of occasionally hits notes where you feel like oh this is actually hitting some notes that are better than the actual overall quality I think that's fascinating yeah part of it I think is I think women like women who have good female friends like seeing that portrayed in any way that captures it I think is appealing because I was rattling back through my head thinking about say for example other culture I'd like like that like Fried Green Tomatoes in the Whistle Stop Cafe uh-huh. by Fanny yeah. Flagg yeah. used to be one of my favourite books Anne of Green Gables when I was growing uh-huh. up her friend with Diana her friendship with Diana Barry Flora's Fancies Flora's Fancies obviously yeah. um, one of the most powerful explorations <laughs> of female friendship in the um and I think, you know, speaking universe. Mm-hmm. you think of films like th- these films aren't favourites of mine. I'm just throwing them out there. Um, yeah. Beaches, Still Magnolias, about women friendship. You're lying. Right? They are your favourite. They're not. I, yeah. d- I don't. I'm not into that stuff. But I do like a story of female friendship. So I think it's pushing some notes in that regard. And then I thought, wow, are we so starved of stories about that as women that even just absolute crap like this will huh. lap it up? Because, And then also somebody in the group made the point that it's about 30% TV 30% attention television. And I thought, you know what, that's absolutely right because yeah, I can right. just sit there texting people while it's on and I'm vaguely following it like a soapy because it's very, very slow moving. The acting's horrendous. The writing's <laughs> diabolical. The wigs are just beyond bad. I can't stop watching it, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, there I can't go. stop watching. Um, yeah, so I think <laughs> it's partly that it requires zero concentration, yeah. which for me in the COVID era has been a high, um, you know. So it's like popcorn, yeah. but it's popcorn that's geared towards like – I think, I mean, the theory behind the Bechdel test, um, 
is that most movies have a premise that they are stories about blokes told by blokes with women who kind of yeah. pop in or occasionally shag someone. I mean, which sounds massively unfair until you start looking at how many um, movies do actually pass the Bechdel test, which mm. if those if anyone listening has not heard of this, it's um, the Bechdel test is a movie passes it if there are more than one um, female character's who have a conversation with each other that is not about a man. And it's amazing how um, many films still uh, fail that test. But maybe the fact that, I mean, I assume that this Firefly Lane is all about women, like they are the principal characters rather than the incidental characters interacting with the central male character. Um, So it's sort of the centre of gravity is kind of shifted to a female perspective, which is maybe why you find it. Yeah. somehow welcoming even though you hate everything about it apparently. There, there are sort of obviously lots of subplots about their yeah. romantic lives and stuff like that but I don't that doesn't bother me because people's romantic lives are sure. you know are yeah. part of their lives yeah. so that's that's but it's okay. mainly about them it's mainly about them and their friendship and how their friendship sort of you know it has ups and downs and as their lives have ups and downs um so yeah it's just sort of <laughs> it's really why, I mean I think I've talked to you before about that um series on Netflix Netflix called Good Girls it's like a it's basically a little bit like a sort of it's a crime adventure where these three suburban moms um uh get involved with a um drug cartel because they need to make money because one of them's um, right. daughter's um sick and it's got like Christina Hendricks um, and Retta in it, like the acting's amazing. But it is all about the friendships between these three women, two sisters and a friend. And I just, I loved it. It was kind of highly suspenseful, but also it's all about their, um, the dynamics of their relationships. And um, I think maybe I was drawn to it for a similar reason that you're, um, talking about possibly. With... Do you know what? Two just dawned to me. It's like the most obvious example of Uh-oh, this. People what? at home would be listening, going, "What about it was Sex in the City?" Obviously, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you watch Sex in the City much? Do you know what? I when it was on, I actually wasn't very into it. I remember Lisa was massively into it, and she yeah. couldn't believe that I wasn't into it. Um, I remember when it was the final ever episode of Sex and the City. It was when we lived in the US, um, right. and she was like, "I went Had around party, yeah. to her place to watch it, even though I." had not really watched much of it. But then for some reason I, I sort of came to it late and then it might have been when I was on maternity leave or yeah. something, just watching stuff to fill time, and then I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, that's But, I mean, it's, you sort of have to watch that show as a total fantasy. Yeah. Right? It's but, very Teletubbies too. Like, you know, like each of them has this sort yeah. of set of characteristics and I don't know, I just found them a bit flat, a bit two-dimensional because I just thought, well, you could always say what how any of them would respond to a situation. I think that real women are not, just not like that at all. No, that's true. But I guess it's like Seinfeld or 30 Rock or yeah. other shows like that that I watch for comfort watching, which is I can whack on if, – if I saw, say, if I was flipping around on a TV in a hotel room and there was an episode of Sex and the City mm. – I could flip it on and it really doesn't require anything from me because I know the four basic characters, I know mm. what their personality is and so it's not going to I don't it doesn't matter if I'm not up to speed with what's happened before because yeah. every episode's sort of self-contained. Know, but don't you think that like the characters too and this is I think now that I think about it probably my deep suspicion about that series is that the women are kind of like the bitch, the slut, the nun and the sort of every you know, woman. and the mess. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, I think it made me feel a bit uncomfortable on that level. Still entertaining television. Yeah, so. I, I know what you mean. Um, it does sort of, it's a bit, I think it's a bit deeper than that. Mm. Um, but also like... <laughs> Who cares, it's television, so right? Yeah. yeah, and also yeah. I just um, I just like watching it for the clothes and, sure. the, you know, yeah. and, and New York and stuff like that. Totally like, get that. I haven't watched that Emily in Paris show on Netflix, which also oh, is apparently yes, really bad. But again, something. I could probably just watch that with the volume down just for the yeah. look of it. Um, you know, we've, we've started to have this conversation a bit recently and I think it's um, there is a real transition in those streaming services now that they've become so dominant. You've got this sort of real cross-section of content, you know, um, because... Now they're so huge that Netflix kind of encompasses predictable schlock television and high quality television. And they're all kind of lumped in together and you can flick through them. And I guess, you know, like in the early days of HBO when they were making incredible television, you were just like, wow. Um, You'd sort of think, oh, it's made by HBO. It's going to be fantastic. But actually as these streaming services become more dominant, they're also – like making massive coin off the kind of totally. popcorn bollocks. Totally. Yeah. And what they don't know necessarily is which of the popcorn bollocks is going to become a huge hit. Like right. that show Money Heist that yeah. I watched where yeah, they yeah. made, I watched the making of Money Heist or <laughs> the backstory of Money Heist. And the thing that was really interesting was the first season, you know, they had gave no budget whatsoever because it was just some bit of yeah. filler. Yeah. And then it went it absolutely yeah. gangbusters around the world. And so then suddenly it's, Produce, making a lot of money and then they're giving it more money to, you know, up their production values but also it's making money for the network to do yeah. other bits and pieces. So, yeah, it's a real, as you say, it's a real mishmash of stuff. And I, I don't know, I guess maybe as well that there can be more perhaps niche programming on these stream, streaming services than yeah. there would be, say, on, you know, what was previously free-to-air TV where you had to appeal to the broadest possible market. So say, you know, Australian free-to-air TV, if you've got a show that's on at 7.30pm or 8.30pm in prime, for prime time. For instance. For instance. <laughs> you've got, say, if you've got MasterChef or Married at First Sight or any of those big shows that go at Ninja Warrior, you are trying to appeal to as many people yep. across as yep. many de- demographics yep. as possible to maximise your yep. audience. You don't have to do that with a streaming nope. service. And also, um, I don't, do you notice that with these streaming services that their algorithm recommends things to you that you actually yes. like? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did actually smash through a Netflix series um a week or two ago, which I just watched by myself. I was on a plane and I did watch till the end. It's a series called Behind Her Eyes. It's um, it's kind of like a thriller. Um, this um, young woman um, who's a single mum uh, meets a guy by accident in a bar. They get talking they have a kiss. He says, oh, you know, can't do this. And then um, the next day she goes to work and he's her new boss. Oh. And um, anyway... Much complication ensues and she is so beautiful, this woman, that I actually kept watching it because she's so just magical to look at. Um, mm. and is she famous? performance or? is great. No, never heard of her before. Right. Um, anyway, um, but it's one of those traps where, like, I watch the first few apps and I'm like, yeah, this is really tense, it's really interesting. And then there's, like, twist after twist that then just becomes like, oh, my God, this is just... And I hated myself by the end of it. Like, I was watching it just thinking, this is... I just... I loathe myself. Anyway, I finished it, but I was laughing at myself by the end because I'm just like, oh, God, you idiot. Anyway, so, yeah, watch that. Highly recommend. Um, Okay. Um, Anyway, but that just got got chucked up at me. Now, I've got one more thing to rave about before I give you another go. Yes. And that is... um, 
because it's about female friendship and when you were talking about the Firefly or Firefly Lane debacle, it made me remember that I want to talk to you about this book. Yes. So it's called What I Know About Love and yes. it's written by Dolly Alderton who yes. is one half of the Hilo podcast. Okay. Have you ever listened to that? No. I've talked about it. I listened to it a bit. Um, so it's this podcast by these two women, uh, Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. Right. Now they are kind of like us but posher. Right. Um, Brits, are they? Yeah, they are. So they're kind of, you know, well-educated, lovely Brits. uh, And they, I think they're both journalists and they read prolifically. It's called the high-low because they talk about high culture and low culture. Um, And I actually have got a whole bunch of good reading ideas from them. Um, I don't listen to it every week. And in fact, they recently stopped doing the podcast. I don't know why. Um, But... I have enjoyed listening to it um, on and off over the years. Sometimes you're a bit like, oh, my gosh, this is a bit posh. But then um, other times they have really interesting conversations. They operate a bit differently from us too. But um, so there's a big backlog there of podcasts if you're interested. Um, it's, you know, definitely um, has good ideas for things to, to watch and read. But um, I've never really known how old they are or really anything about them. But Dolly Alderton has written kind of like a memoir and it's about her 20s, essentially. It sort of starts in her teens. And um, it's absolutely remarkable. I really, really enjoyed it. And it's um, she talks about her, you know, loneliness as a teenager. She always was impatient to grow up. Um, she was obsessed with boys. She started drinking when she was 10, she oh. says. Amazing. I mean, just, yeah. She was at a bar mitzvah or something and started, like, drinking champagne. And anyway, she'd been kind of getting blotto kind of on a semi-regular basis through her teens. And it's a very warts and all account of her um, adventures and misadventures and missteps, particularly some very dangerous and shocking kind of drunken misadventures. Um, So it's a hugely out there memoir, but it's also remarkable because even though she's talking about being boy crazy and not really having an idea how to transact um, romantic heterosexual relationships, the main story is her love for her female friends and Mm. particularly her very best friend. And the way that she writes about her engagement with her friend's life, it's just like it's very affirming. I don't know. It's a really, really, really interesting book about female friendship. And mm, okay. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, right. I think it's going gang- gangbusters in the UK. And it's just written as it, it's a memoir. She hasn't novelised or anything. It's, it's a actually, memoir. Right. Yeah, it's okay. a memoir, straight memoir. And then there's it's sort of there's these sort of interstitial little cha- things between the chapters that I think sometimes work and sometimes don't, um, where there's like a little recipe at some point. Oh, yeah. And then there's, um, there's a couple of... Um, like fake kind of wedding invitation letters and things like that, that are are sort of a satire on the sorts of, you know, social pretensions that people have. And and some of them are funnier. Some of them I thought, oh, you could do without that. But the the strength of it absolutely is this tale of her life and her, you know, the point that she gets to in her 30s where she realises, oh, I'm I'm kind of the person that is the mess and the drunk and... um, the party girl and whatever and I don't want to be that person anymore and how she sort of stops being that person. Right. Yeah, it's... um. Okay, do you still have the hard copy of that? I do. Good. I'm coming around on Sunday. Actually, but, you can yeah. give it to me. Okay. Oh, screw right. Murph. 
Oh, Hello. I have. <laughs> I probably should say again, I mean, I'm sure it will be gone by the time this podcast gets out, but um, Gwen's made some fabric. We mentioned it in the last podcast. Um, If you are the kind of person that would like to make a sort of clothes like Annabelle Crab wears with pretty flowers and birds on them, there might be... You should see the the puss she's clocking. Well... I was gonna be. It's gonna make a. It's it's gonna get to the bin slower than if they did it for you. I'm really scared that what's yeah. gonna happen is you know that scene in The Sound of Music where Maria makes the clothes for all of them. She makes them out of the curtains and then they sing. So I think they're wearing them for so long farewell. Yeah. And there's like a pair of sort of lederhosen that Friedrich or no, not Friedrich. Is his name Hansel? Hans. I forget. Yeah, yeah. One of the boys wears and they're like shorts. Get on it, chatters. Of- yeah. Yeah, with a sort of like lederhosen-y sort of design yeah. with, a bib, really, with a bib. I'm yeah. really scared that somebody is going to make them for me. I don't know why I have this fear, but that's what I think I is coming my way. you're making it happen by saying it. You are vocalising and articulating the I'm thing that you most fear. Anyway, but I'm, I'm being funny. Um, it's actually really lovely fabric and uh, it's on our, if there's any left, it would be on our website under shop. Go and have a look and Gwen will chop you off a bit. She'll put it in an envelope. She'll flick it off to you and you can make pencil cases and drawstring bags. And it just- is the funniest thing ever, honestly. I looked at the fabric the other day. I'm like, my glasses are on this fabric. They're going to be on someone's <laughs> pants. <laughs> You're gonna be on someone's later hosen. <laughs> anyway, it's it's actually really lovely. So get okay, on it. If you I've want. got more stuff ah, to okay. talk about. Um, speaking of things that we're watching on television, I've been watching Superstore. Have you seen any no. of that? Oh my god! Like it's a series. It's got I don't know a hundred different series. It's it's been going like the absolute clappers since 2015, I think. And yeah. um, of course, in my uh, Wispy Way. I'd never heard of it until it? Jeremy started watching it. It's a um, so it's a sitcom based yeah. in an American superstore, like a Walmart, and it's called Cloud Nine. Right. And it's the cast is just the just the staff of this shop. So they've got this sort of bumbling, you know, managing director of the store, and um, the absolute star of the show is America Ferreira, who is the oh, yeah, she's right. the sort of hard assed, um, kind of hard bitten. She's like. Um, a senior supervisor and she's just outstanding she's so good and and there's a kind of a long running sexual tension between her and this junior employee who's a sort of college graduate and is a bit kind of you know constantly makes well-informed remarks and is you know um brutally cut down by America Ferrero who's just like shut up pretty boy um college boy and he is just absurdly good looking. He's sort of like, actually, he looks exactly like Scott Bayo in sort of oh, yeah. chachi era. Um, anyway, and there's this sort of great, uh, great flock of characters. And the apps are about 20 minutes long, they're short and very, very funny. And it's got a similar vibe to Scrubs, if you ever oh, used yeah, to watch Scrubs. I love Scrubs like, yeah. So I've found that it, it's really perfect for. If you haven't got very long to watch television, you don't want to get your head around something new, you could go pretty much anywhere in any series and it's funny. Um, oh, great. There's okay. sort of like a, a roughly developing story like someone's pregnant and they, you know, but you can easily jump in and out. Every episode is sort of I'm, self I'm guessing she's going to end up hooking up with this college boy. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. there's like, I don't know, it, there's it's so prolific. There's so many episodes, but it's, okay, it's, that good. Is it's it on genuinely Netflix? funny. Yeah, it's on Netflix. You know, I've just been, because I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm just in a slump and re 
rewatching stuff, so yeah. I'm rewatching Please Like Me, which <gasps> is probably one of my favourite things that yeah. I've watched since we've been doing this yeah. podcast. You've not watched it, have you? I haven't because you keep telling me to. It's terrible. Yeah, it's know, actually a betrayal. It's such an important it just, icon of, Ameri- of Australian television. And why it, haven't I watched it? Because it there's something wrong with me. I'm evil. It just reminds me how much I love um, observational comedy yeah. on television yeah. like um where not very much happens but yeah. the comedy's just all in like an interaction that two people have it's fantastic hey something we haven't talked about for ages and can i just throw it out there just yeah. a little bit of cooking that yeah. i've been doing oh, yeah. which actually i got from our friend clive so clive's really good at cooking for a lot of people and mm-hmm. that's something i feel like i'm not very good at like once there's more than eight people i feel really quite overwhelmed yeah. by it. Um, so Clive cooked this meal one night. I just thought it was such a good idea for cooking for a heap of people, which was um, it was just bas- basically Vietnamese chicken rolls. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, long skinny rolls. Yeah, chicken. I was there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but our <laughs> listeners weren't okay. And I'm I didn't a, eat the chicken rolls. I'm painting I a chicken. visual picture for people that weren't there, okay, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind. Um, and then an Asian slaw with lots of coriander and, um, and carrot. Now, the chicken was so delicious that I said to Clive, where on earth is that from? It was a Karen Martini recipe. If you Google this, you'll just find it online. It's Karen Martini's lemongrass and turmeric roasted chicken. Um, You basically, you buy chicken with um, the skin, chicken thighs with the skin still on, on the bone. Okay. You chop it off the bone while it's raw. Okay. can you get? Can you just ask the butcher to do that? Like, if I went to the butcher and said, "Hey, can I have some of those?" Chicken? Where's my butcher? <laughs> Are you my butcher? Are you my well, butcher? I just I hate handling raw meat, so I hate having to chop up raw meat. If I went to the butcher and said, "Can I buy those chicken thighs?" and would you mind chopping it off the bone for me? Would he do that? Or she? Yes, I'm sure <laughs> she would. Um, yeah, I reckon absolutely. Okay. The, the sales comes in here to posture. Yeah, chop well, I just chicken. don't know what you what you no, can totally ask for. Okay, can, I mean butchers love to be asked things because okay. it demonstrates why they're still required beyond supermarkets. You know, like okay, yeah, I think. Any butcher would be proud okay. to hack a chook leg apart for you, love. Um, so don't okay, hesitate good. to ask. Okay. But then keep the bones and bring them to me so I can make stock. Okay. Um, so, yeah, right. So then um, you once you've got them in, got that in pieces. When are you, you going to get a butler? Like when are you going to get an Alan Jones-style oh, butler? I'd be so happy to have one. That would be so good. Imagine if you had a butler that was also a body person like Gary in, in Veep. Oh. Where you had someone who were just like, oh, um, Lee, would you like me to take the uh, bones off that chicken for you? <laughs> also, uh, this is Simon. Um, that is split what... up with his wife last year. Um, <laughs> two children, Haley and Jemima. <laughs> works it. <laughs> works it. Rainbow I bank. Made you, I made you Gary me the other day for something, and you Did said, you? "Yeah, uh, what was it? I can't oh, remember." Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I had to say. Can you, who, who's the blah blah blah? And you just go, bzz, bzz, bzz. yeah, like, happy to be your Gary. Yeah, don't uh, don't rely on me for that sort of stuff because I'm hopeless. True. Um, yeah. So you then once you've got the chicken in pieces, you sort of quite large-ish pieces. You then stick it in a thing of marinade that's got lemongrass, turmeric, and various other white pepper, some other stuff. Mm. Stick it in the fridge, preferably overnight, and mm. then you roast it for quite a while, I think about an hour and a half and like one or two times, you with the skin up, facing up, and then one or two times you just baste it with a little bit of the right. marinade. But yep. you've got to be careful you don't put too much marinade and you don't want it to broil. Right. Um, and then, oh, man, it just comes out just wow, like just crispy goodness. And um, you shove that into a bread roll. You shove that into a bread roll and then you shove the salad in as well and then it's just mm, okay. so, that sounds so good. good. Yeah, I really also good. have a chicken recipe, oddly enough, that, I mean, it's... A, 
a massively well-known um, and popular dish, but I'd never made it until um, recently. I went to the Adelaide Central Markets over Christmas and bought the kids all Hainanese chicken rice. Um, mm-hmm. And they just like gobbled it up and loved it so much. And I thought, why haven't I never made that for them at home? So I've been um, experimenting with making Hainanese chicken rice. It's like the ultimate comfort food um, and, you know, lots of people who have grown up in Hainanese chicken rice culture have just got like absolute just pop eyes about how important this dish is to them. So it's essentially you get a whole chicken and you put it in a pot of water with some um, chopped ginger and some spring onions shoved off its bum, mm-hmm. salt the water, and you poach it incredibly gently for about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then basically the water turns into a sort of a very pale chicken stock and then you season that and then you um before you cook the chicken you take some excess fat off it and then um render the fat and then chop up some more um ginger and garlic and a little bit of spring onion and um cook that in the fat and then toss some rice in the fat and then cook the rice so Ah. the rice is sort of flavored with the chicken fat and then you, um, the liquid that you cook the rice in is the liquid from the chicken. And then you basically just um, chop up this poached chicken and it's very, very soft and juicy. Right. And you serve it with the rice and some vegetables and then a couple of different very, very flavourful sauces. I'm amazed as a vegetarian that you can cook that. Uh, do you know what? I'm very, I'm fascinated by cooking meat. I'm really interested in it. I never feel like I want to eat it, but I'm really right. interested to see the techniques to make you know, a very, very moist chicken or whatever. But it's the children are, it's like crack. You know, they are really, really into this dish because it's kind of flavorful, it's simple, it's a kiddie friendly thing. Yeah. But then you can sit there with your sort of fiery rice and um, your sauces and stuff. Adam right. Liao's got a good one um, that he's obviously been working on for um, a long time. I've made a couple of other versions. The, there's one on Gourmet Traveller as well. But it's just like a, it's a really fascinating dish, really interesting to make and does, super. Does Adam Liao have his own cookbook out? Mate, he's got about five, so, oh, yeah, and his own cooking ser- series on um, <laughs> SBS. But also he writes for um, The Herald, so, oh, okay. you That's know, why, he's got yeah. a kind of like a regular food column, so there's heaps okay. of searchable recipes yeah. from him. Yeah, I like, see that, but that's why I wondered if does he have a book. Because I just whenever yeah. I see his stuff, I always think it seems delicious and also, like, accessible. Well, this is the thing about Adam. He's just a really, like, he's he's got all of the expertise, so he knows the long cut so he can write the shortcut with authority. Oh, right. You know, um, and that's what I really like about him. Um, he, the first cookbook of his that I ever picked up, and I just picked it up at a friend's house, was is called Asian After Work, which I still think is a great, great cookbook mm-hmm. because it's kind of quick ways to do, um, you know, complicated Asian dishes that you might otherwise have sort of balk at as a right. kind of weekday thing. Um, but he also has got a recipe for... Um, what he calls the faster master, which is like a master stock that you can make quite quickly without having to, you know, age at 100 years and pass it down through generations and so on. So I really like that about him. Also just like the way he writes. But anyway, kind of these chicken rice. Do it. um, I won't say um, the name of the person, but there's a cookbook I have at home, which is one of my favourites actually. And... um, but when I use it, what, the recipes are all fantastic. But what annoys me is the actual method is written in a really verbose kind of way. Yeah, that's annoying. And it's 
really annoying. If I you're just in a hurry. Like every single recipe needs to be rewritten. Like if you want to have a bit of a verbose, you know, jibber-jabber, put it at the top in an introduction or something, but just make the method absolutely crystal clear. I just, every time I cook out of it, I just want to rewrite it's every like single thing. It's like cooking blogs. Like, like, you know, when you go to cooking websites and they've got a great recipe, but there's like, you've got to scroll through 18 pages of the damsons in my garden and oh, just yeah. blushing and the squirrels and the blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it reminds me of sun-soaked days with my children. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And when I first met my husband, you're just like, oh my God, totally. what do you do with the egg? Totally. The method in this book also too, I think often is very, it's a bit inefficient. It'll be like, you know, put all of this stuff in one bowl and then put all of this stuff in another bowl. And then, and it's like, and couldn't we just to put all that stuff in the one bowl at the same time? Like, it's just, it's, I always feel like it's, it's, it take, I've got to pick through and work out what to do and then I feel like, well, this isn't the most efficient way of cooking I would this. suggest that you deface the book and or, uh, like, just republish a slender volume, but I'm yeah. just so frightened that you'll do that to my cookbooks. <laughs> that, that. I do. I, I lo- love this particular book, which is why I'm not saying who it is because it is actually a great book. Um, but, yeah, anyway, it's just, yeah. If it's you, if you're listening And you know that I'm referring to you. No, it's not your tam. <laughs> if you're listening, excellent cookbook author, and you think I might be referring to you. I am. Just bear this in mind for your next book. Oh, my God, you're brutal. I <laughs> can't be friends with you anymore. It's too frightening. Um, before we go, and uh, we've got another minute or two, right? Are you right, wrapping right. up? I know. Two episodes in a row. It's like I've just moved into your body and I'm now pulling the strings. Um, I Speaking of like things that I've been meaning to watch for ages, I started watching The Circus on HBO. Oh, I've never watched it. Yeah. See, that just freaks me out because in my brain... I think I thought you did watch an episode, and then like this is serious. Like years ago, you were like, "Crap, we should do something like this." I watched a promo for an episode, and that's what oh I my god! Because yeah. I was just thinking, "Oh yeah. shit, I should really get into watching this series." Because I mean, Sales has watched all of it; she's desperate no. for me to watch it. So anyway, I started at the very beginning, which is the, like the primaries with you know Clinton and and Trump. So there's been a bunch of series since then, um, but it's this sort of it's quite an interesting concept. It's um, to well. The two principal characters are um, political journalists and the cameras sort of follow them around on the primaries campaign and they turn around the edit super quickly. And so you get kind of during the campaign an end of the week summary from these two journos who you sort of see what they're doing behind the scenes and all that sort of see, thing. See, I, I absolutely, I think I've floated to you at the time that I think that in an election campaign that we should do that for a show, except that most of my bits would be just me crying and going, I'm just too busy to do this. <laughs> I'm just so busy doing 7.30. Why am I having to do this new show as well? And flicking through your wardrobe spreadsheet. People are just like, wow, that chick. Get her. But, um, no, look, I think it would be interesting. You'd be at the butcher. Can you just take that off the bone? (laughs) I'm not going to go into it now because I don't want to keep going. But I do think people are interested sometimes in say things like um, I was in Melbourne the other week. I went to the press conference of the Victorian Oh, did you? I didn't know you were there. I I really snuck in under the radar. Nobody knew I was in Melbourne. Um, And I think people would are interested in things like, okay, why did you decide to go to that? Why why did you choose to ask the questions that you chose to ask? Why do you choose to interrupt that certain moments? Like, you know, and I think that a show that sort of had the bones of it, I sound like I'm pitching for someone to ring us and go, hey, we'd love you to do that show. I'm too busy to do that show. She doesn't want to do it, okay? She just, it's just, no. But you're right. It's just a fantasy. Um, Yeah, and I think, well, I mean, as I understand it, I'm on a sort of slight moderate social media break at the moment, which just hasn't really, I haven't really fully returned since Christmas. But um, Oh, you're still, in, I, if, if you need to know, you're still an annoying slut. Just <laughs> Great. There's nothing like security. <laughs> That'll never change. When, dip in, dip out. It's all the same. You're still an annoying slut. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, I did. I do understand that there was a certain amount of um, attention paid to your. I'm um, also an annoying slut, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> gosh, I don't know. Journalist <laughs> asks questions at press conference. Oh, it's just crazy, isn't it? Oh, it anyway. is. Right. Well. Anyway, massively nice to see you, you annoying slut. Nice. <laughs> Is this going to have to have a language warning now off the top? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Darla, I just wanted to say that you're not annoying. And I'm not pleasantly annoyed by you, <laughs> although I reserve my options. See ya. <laughs> Goodbye.